Because that's why I say thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get you <laughs> Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, we back on another episode of The Re-Up. And this week's episode, we'll be talking about polarity between the masculine and the feminine and how that influences our relationships. And since we're talking about something that, of course, includes the feminine, I thought, like, who better to have someone talking on the feminine than someone who's, you know, a lady. But with that being said, I'm here with a special guest. Hey, guys, I'm Claire, and I'm 21. <laughs> hey, Claire, she's 21. <laughs> I'm weak. Uh, so why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Uh, I am a senior at VCU. I'm a mass comm major specializing in PR, and I am actually really excited about this. I really am. I'm weak. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. And so, I'm weak. So, uh, this week's episode was really inspired by uh, this book I was reading for last month. It was called The Way of the Superior Man. Now, the book itself it included some things I agree with, some things I didn't. But one thing they touched on that I really found interesting was this dynamic between like the masculine and the feminine it was kind of like maybe there's some type of role that it plays in our relationships that we see today so to lay the foundation before we have this conversation it was essentially saying this that like even though we are both males and females or men and women who are capable of doing anything and everything we often let our fear or desire for inclusivity and like uh, making people feel as though they can, are able to do anything they want influence our relationships. And that's detrimental when it comes to our romantic or most intimate relationships. So kind of the ideal of um, women now they're in the workforce and they're more prevalent they're taking over they're ceos they're they be out here securing the bag they're in the armed mm -hmm. forces they're doing everything that men once upon a time thought only they could do mm -hmm. and then now men are even beginning to embrace more on the feminine side where they're not as strict with like logical following the rules they're more free-flowing they're actually stopping and enjoying certain stuff and so now, obviously, times have changed. So back in the days where things used to be so clear-cut, and it was like, all right, I'm a male, I'm a man, I do A, B, and C, and she's a woman, so she does A, one, two, three. It's no longer like that. The rules have changed. So now in the society where the rules have changed, the question that many men and women seem to face is like, how, what's my place? Like, how do I act in this scenario? Because nowadays, you hear a lot of, like, women saying that all the men around them are either weak, they scared, they scary, they're not exhibiting the energy, the qualities of what a man should be. And then on the other side of that, you have men saying, yo, I'm just trying to love shorty, I'm just trying to get her all this love and affection, and they just out here being cold-hearted. So it's like... <laughs> On one side, you got Drake, and on the other side, you got Future. And now the world is <laughs> just like, what's going on? You feel me? <laughs> and so, the book 
in the introduction kind of talks about this. So in our platonic relationships, because we're friends, we try not to overexert ourselves, overextend ourselves in terms of our, I don't want to call it our energy, but it's essentially our energy because we don't want to be overbearing. So rather than make the decision for you, and I'm speaking from a male perspective, rather than make the decision for you, we let you know that you have as much say as we do and say something like, all right, uh, what you trying to do today? And then you'd be like, I don't care. It's up to you. So now you feel so, all right, we're neutral. It's kind of like we're on the same playing ground. It's like you got your own rules, your own set of influence and in whatever we do. And now when we take that same idea, that same thing of like neutrality, and we apply that to our more intimate relationships, we're trying to go deeper than the platonic, and we're trying to advance it to like our romantic, our partner type of relationships. That indecisiveness, that lack of proactivity is something that shows a lack of what uh, the book describes as masculinity. So essentially what they were trying to say was that you're attracted to your polar opposite. So if you as a male are more masculine and embrace your masculinity, so like that means when you see a woman that you're attracted to, you don't deny it, you don't feel ashamed for feeling what you feel, you just embrace it and like, yeah, that's that. Versus someone who's more reserved with their masculinity and unwilling to embrace it all the way, they're more likely to attract a more uh, masculine partner in the woman if they're exhibiting more feminine traits. So when I heard that, I was like, all right, all right, all right. Y'all talking about all this <laughs> push and pull, like it's time for chemistry into this. I'm like, all right, listen, you're doing a lot. But some of it, like, it kind of has some truth to it at the same time. And so I'm with my guess. Um, I had like a question, like a legit question that I just thought was interesting. So like in the book, right? Mm-hmm. It was talking about, <clears throat> I'm going to make sure I get it right, too, so I'm going to bust out the Have notes. the whole book out. I'm listening. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I had to. Um, all right. So I guess I should backtrack and lay down what they the book described as the masculine purpose. So, like, as a male, our whole purpose, our whole thing, like, reason for being desire is the mission uh, a sense of a deeper purpose a sense of like a deeper fulfillment so what men really crave is that feeling of release of being unbound like untethered so if you really exhibit or even rather examine our pastimes i guess you could call them for example like football when you're running or throwing you're trying to get past the other person you're trying to get to the touchdown and when you get in that touchdown that moment you feel free it's like a it's kind of unexplainable if you haven't played a sport but it's like in that moment once you achieve set goal it's like nothing can stop you or even if you want to think about it in terms of sex it's like you're searching after this feeling you feel like constrained by society and then once you get that release for those few seconds, minutes, or whatever it may be, it's like you're on top of the world. You feel unbound. You mm-hmm. feel at peace. Like you feel connected to 
that deep a part of you, which society, like your normal day-to-day life, blocks off. And so it's like what men are really chasing is that feeling. And what we fail to understand is that that's something we can sustain over long periods rather than short bursts through, like, Hmm. quick actions. But with that comes understanding of your polar opposite, which should be the feminine. And this is speaking from a heterosexual perspective. Now, the question for our feminine counterpart. The book covers a couple things about women and what they think are the truths behind women and their actions or even what they say. Mm. So, I'm going to start with the basics. All right, so you know how men think that women sometimes be uh, trying to play hard to get, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'd be like, nah, 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 she playing, she playing. So, I see, I've see. i seen both stories. Mm-hmm. I've seen it when they're like, oh, she used to come to my restaurant and I was a waiter and every day I used to see him and I'm like, I'm not going over there. But every day he came out and he tried to talk to me. Three months straight, he tried to talk to me. And, you know, the fourth month, I was like, I don't know where it was. It just clicked. <laughs> and then, as you know, they get married, and then they live together for, like, 200 years or some shit. Like, they just, they off the deep end. But then mm-hmm. I also saw the other side where it's like, I work at this restaurant, and this man keeps trying to smack me, and it's been three months. He's harassing, you know, calling the cops. Mm-hmm. So it's like, from a woman's perspective, if a man... Uh, shoots a shot or makes an advance to you and you deny it or mm-hmm. reject it should man should the man said keep uh, trying mm-hmm. or should he like accept his losses and slide because a lot especially on social media you'll see like if a man wants you he'll let you know mm-hmm. or whatever so it's like as a man do I just like like shows like yeah you keep playing but I'm really about to Mm-hmm. Or is it like, nah, she'll know your worth. She'll know my worth. And I just, <laughs> I just keep it pushing. Well, I think a smart man would be able to read body language and cues. You know, um, as women, when a man approaches us and we are interested, and we, some women play hard to get, some don't. But for women that do play hard to get, um, you can tell that she wants you. Like, you'll see it in her eyes, her body language, the way she says stuff. She'll start talking like, man, I don't know who you think you are. Like, you can just, you can tell when someone is feeling you, you know. Um, I think it's it's just really important to use or have that discernment to tell. Like, if a woman is being stern and she clearly has an attitude or she's not feeling you at that point you would know okay you know i gave you my best shot it's time to move on and if you persist then it's harassment because it's like okay clearly i wasn't feeling you i told you no so stop trying so i think it's just up to a man to use his best discernment in that situation i think it's interesting that you bring <laughs> up a uh, social or rather Rather, body bodily cues. Mm. Mm. Come on, come on, ladies. Because, <laughs> um, right, I'm not going to speak. I'm going to speak for the average. I'm going to speak for the average male. Average male, I'm going to say, 
is oblivious. Like they just missing it, misinterpreting all Very of that. True. So now it's like we're looking for the uh, vocal cues, but mm-hmm. even with them, I I just don't understand. Like they just be getting lost in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, do you do you think there's a definite way of people saving their attention? I guess rather like. Because to me, the way I see it is like, all right, at the end of the day, I said it. So like, I'm going to just speak up and say it with my chest. Mm-hmm. And then whatever you say from that is like, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I thought everyone was like that, but it's, it's not. Yeah. So if that's not, the, if that's like a method that's taken off the table, do you think there's any other way of deciphering the game, I guess? Um. Well... I do agree with you. Men miss a lot of cues sometimes. Um, I think as women as well, we need to take it upon ourselves to be a little more direct. I know for me, I'm very direct. Like, if I want you, you'll know. And if I don't, you'll know. But a lot of women like to play that game. That um, I think it just stems from a desire to see that, to see effort. You know, like, I think that's what it really comes from because... A lot of times women are always like, oh, he doesn't try. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do X, Y, and Z. So in the beginning, that that chasing game or that playing hard to get is almost like a woman assessing how much effort you're willing to put into her. But I, I do think it gets to a certain point where you have to be vocal and say, okay, like, you know, if a, if a guy approaches you and asks for your number, just give just give him your number if you want to give him your number. If not, kindly decline and keep it pushing, you know. So I do think it gets to a certain point where women have to open their mouths and say, okay, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. But sometimes that doesn't work because, again, guys miss the cues. So I still think it goes back to you have to be very aware of the situation. You really do. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> All right, all right. So there's another thing that I was, mm. all right, so I was, mm. <laughs> I was real live reading this book, and I was like, all right, nah, 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 that's dumb, I guess. Then I was like, oh, but this, this right here, I want to know, like, like where's, where's the cap in this? Cap or not cap? Let me know. <laughs> so I actually thought, like, this was valid, but I wanted to know, like, what's the, what's the real thought process? Well, then again, is, is there a thought process behind it? So essentially, it's like there's another chapter in the book, and within the chapter, it's called. Well, the chapter is like, um, I don't, I don't remember. But the subtopic was like, what she wants is not what she says. And so underneath, I'm, I'm gonna give a direct quote too, because I want to know. I just want to <laughs> know. Uh, the author of the book said, sometimes a woman would make a. Re- uh, the author of the book said, sometimes a woman would make a request of her man in plain English not to get him to do something, but to see if he is so weak that he would do it. In other words, she is testing his capacity to do what is right, not what she is asking for. In such cases, if a man does what his woman asks, she will be disappointed and angry. The man will have no idea why she is so angry or what could possibly please her. He must remember that her trust is engendered not by him fulfilling her request, 
but by him magnifying love, consciousness, and success in their lives in spite of her request. So, obviously, if you if you have a girlfriend or if you've just been around a woman, you know when it's like they'll ask you for something and then you, you know, not thinking about it, you'd be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to get it for you. And then you get whatever they ask for and then they just not happy. <laughs> like, like just the level of disappointment just increased. And you were just like, well, damn. You was like, you asked for this, and now you, you didn't want it? So why'd you even ask for it? Like, like what's good? Like, say it with your chest. Like, what do you really want? And it's like, why? Like, why? I low-key kind of agree with that. It It is kind of true because, I don't know, we're just trying to – test and see how well you know us how well you pay attention like if I say if I say something I don't know make me a can you please make me a turkey sandwich and you know full disclosure I don't like turkey and you should know I don't like turkey you make me a turkey sandwich I'm gonna be like you should have known you should have known I prefer ham over turkey like come on it's just the simple stuff like I think sometimes as women, we just want to test our man to see how much he really pays attention to us. And I know it's like, it's it's such an indirect and like, I don't want to use childish, but for lack of a better word, childish way to do it. But sometimes you just have to, you just got to see what's up, see if he's really paying attention. So you're saying, you're saying it's more so a way to fact check whether or not your man is paying attention to you and all of the details about you. Yes. So would you say it's, it's that versus versus testing a man's commitment to, I guess, like a higher purpose and not necessarily being swayed by random insertions or like whims. So for example, if, if you're in a relationship with a uh, with a lady, and you like I, so you present yourself to her in the fashion of like I'm a higher educator, I'm a professor, mm-hmm. philosopher. <laughs> I what I do is I think about all these things, and then I think about nice phrases to say, and show how that can change the world. That's what I do. I make phrases, and they change the world because they change the way people think. That's my commitment in life. Mm-hmm. But then you present that to her. But then you also present to her that uh, that you know, of course, like you love her and that with that love comes like making the decisions that's best for her. So now, fast forward, it's been three years. You have like 200 quotes, sayings that have changed the world, all that good stuff. And like you on the way, you told her yesterday night when y'all was in bed sleeping, you was like, all right, all right babe, tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, I gotta go make some more quotes. So then the next day comes, it's 9.50, and you heading out to make some quotes, and now she asking for, she asking for that back rub. <laughs> she asking for that back rub because her body ate. And she know you finna, she see you getting dressed to head out to make these quotes. If, if a sad man stayed inside and, like, gave you the back rub, would you think it's like, oh, he cares about me, or is it like, mm-hmm. His commitment to his thing is gone. Like, he doesn't even go in mm. to make his said little quotes about the world. Mm. I think it depends on 
how often he does it. If it's one, if it's like one instance or a few instances where he chooses me over um, making his quotes or over his career, or whatever, I think that shows that he's committed to me, and I would appreciate that. But also, I think as a woman, you should know that your man has to make certain sacrifices to get to where he needs to be. Because I know men, they they need to be, I, don't, I wouldn't say stable, but they need to be, I guess stable is the word. They need to get themselves, have themselves together to feel good about themselves, right? At least that's, that's what absolutely. I think. Yes, yes, right. <laughs> So, so if you, if you know that your man is working on himself, working on his craft, I, I think it would be selfless. It would be good to be selfless and allow him to do that, you know. But I think if he, you know, if I want a back rub and he, and he give me that back rub, I'm just like, yes, thank you. You know, it, it just depends. You should you should know your man. You really should know your man, and you should. Now, if he's always like, oh, it's 9.50, he's still laying in bed, you know, and I'm, like, looking, like, yo, didn't you say you had somewhere to be? Like, what you doing? Like, get up. Then at that point, it's like, okay, I would think that he is no longer committed to making his quotes and doing what he has to do. So in your scenario, I think the fact that he was even getting ready shows effort and shows that he was gonna go. I like that too. But you stayed and gave me the back rub, so I like that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it just it just depends. Absolutely. All right, so I had to bring this example up because this it's an example that I be seeing everywhere and people be talking about it. And it's not just happening every week. Like Twitter Twitter is just comments. But of course a perfect example of this and like a man's I guess like commitment or not a commitment so within the book he sort of the author sort of breaks down that aside from the mission or within the mission as like the masculine's like main point of emphasis or goal in life is that divine masculine which is like at your core of being a male is to be conscious which is like to be aware of not only like your surroundings, but like kind of like your situation and however far you want to extend it. So the perfect example is the whole, when you with a partner or, or a friend, a female friend, an acquaintance, and y'all, and y'all get busy, when y'all get busy, and mm-hmm. said acquaintance, boom, bow, like just let it fly, no Travis Scott, but just let it fly. <laughs> As a man, you know, you know, it's like, don't let it fly. Like, cap cap on. Like, shut it down. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people do. Yes. And then when they let it fly, it's like, the women's like, I said that. I did. I, you know it came out of my mouth. But I didn't actually want you to do it. And mm-hmm. now that you did, now we just sitting here like, for real, bro. It's kind of like that moment of like. Take that trip to CVS. Shit. <laughs> you just gotta, like, y'all just gotta wrestle for a little bit, some WWE, a couple stunts. It's gonna be a hundred. But the book essentially says, like, as a man, anything that causes you to lose consciousness in any scenario, 
and that's that's like demeaning to your purpose. It's basically detrimental to yourself. So mm. essentially what Cuz was trying to say is like any actions that we do or habits that cause us to essentially I don't want to say deflate, but it's kind of deflate. You're losing because even in that scenario, you're losing protein rather than recycling that into new gifts. It was like sexual transmutation. It was a tongue twister. But it's kind of like stuck, finding ways to be more productive that enhance your core rather than lessen it. So I was like, all right, all right. I see what you're trying to say. I, I can dig it. I support. But there was something in your last statement that was kind of interesting. And that was like, what basically I got from it was that, like, you want women want to feel appreciated, of course. Like, they want to know that they're loved by their partner. Mm-hmm. But here's my question, or rather, it's a statement is that women don't actually want to be the number one thing in their partner's life. But what they want is to feel as though, like, they're loved fully. So, in other words, like, they're fine feeling like they're sacrificial. And, like, of course, like, stakes got high. Like, say, like, you have a family. And, of course, like, you have kids or, I don't know. Like, some of those, like, hmm. Like, you make movies. That's what you want to be. You're a family man. You make movies. A lot of careers going on. Yeah, a lot of men for us. They got to see the picture. <laughs> so, you make movies. Like, Hall of Fame type. This is what you do, like your heart, soul, like you dropped out of college, you left mm-hmm. aspirations, the family hates you, all that good stuff. <laughs> like, you, But you out here making the best movies of the world. And of course, you got a family, wife, and kids. When push comes to shove, if you had to choose, according to the book, they said that women would be okay being like the sacrificial part if it was for a reason of like their greater purpose. So like, whether it was like him, or for your case, it was either her or the movies or her and their kids. Mm-hmm. Then women would be okay with being like, I I guess I'm the one that's got to go. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Like, Titanic, I'm going to just let my hands off the ice and I'm going to just float to the bottom of the water. You feel me? Yeah. So it's not really that you want to be number one, but rather that you feel, yeah, just fully loved. You think that's cap or you think that's like true? I think that's kind of true because I, for me personally, I think number one, it's very, it's very attractive when a man has something that he cares about and something that he is really passionate about. You know, he's working on himself, working on his craft and really chasing his goals. Cause I'm, I'm that way. Like I'm very ambitious. So, and I also do think that it's important to put yourself first, like no matter what. Because I don't want it to get to a point where you choose me over your craft and you resent me for it, you know. So I think, I think it is very important for men and women even to really, really put themselves and whatever they're doing first. And if I see that you're really passionate about this and you're genuinely working towards it I would be okay with that because I know that you're fulfilling like you said like a greater purpose within yourself because you know the other the other part of that is if you're with me 24 7 I'm gonna sit up here thinking like you ain't got nothing to do like (laughs) you got 
aren't you supposed to go to work today? Like, uh, he just loves you. <laughs> like, that's, and that's cool and all. Like, I'm not saying work mode 24-7, like, because at the end of the day, you make time for what you want to make time for. And I think there's a time and place for everything. There's a time for you to work, and there's a time for you to be with me. But, um, yeah, if you're just with me 24-7, you're constantly putting me above your, above your, um, above your craft, above your movies, it's going to get to a point where it's going to start weighing on the man. <coughs> and then it's going to trickle down and affect the relationship because he feels like he's not reaching his greater sense or his greater purpose. So I really do think, I, I actually kind of agree with that statement. Why do you feel like relationships don't work? In general, or is this based off of what I said? Both. Both. Well, in general, relationships don't work for a number of reasons. Oh my goodness, the reasons are endless. But in terms of this scenario, uh, like I said, if you, like I said earlier, a man wants to be secure. So if he is const, if he constantly has to put me first, then I'd probably most likely be a distraction to him, and he won't reach his fullest potential. And that would weigh on him, probably cause him to be upset with me eventually. Like, literally, I think eventually he would he would be upset with me. And then it just it wouldn't work out. So, so you feel like he would eventually start blaming you for his lack of production yes. in his life? Yes. It's almost like, okay, for example, let's say, let's say I'm dating a guy and... Uh, Let's say he gets this big, this big movie deal in California, right? But we're about to get married, and he chooses me over that movie deal. For now, it's okay. But when push comes to shove, later down the line, he is going to regret not taking that movie deal. You know what she sound like? You know what that remind me of? Oh, gosh. This movie called Acrimony. <laughs> you seen it? Yes, yes, All I right, know what so you're talking about. Who was wrong? Because... Uh, that right there, a perfect example, actually. Cause listen, I granted he was like he was he was no good at first. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like he was just running up using her her whip, all of that. Yeah. Now granted, she was kind of she was kind of a little out there. Like she took money, her own money, mm-hmm. and took money, her own money, mm-hmm. and put him through college. Mm-hmm. And that right there, by itself, is crazy. <laughs> but fast forward down the road, after all that time, all that investment, and we get to the part where, you know, of course, she did some stuff, he did some stuff, and now we're at the point where eventually he ultimately repays back, like, more, more than repays, like, I think it's like twice, like, triples it or something like that, the mm-hmm. money he gives her or something like that. And so the argument that I think was at the core of it was that uh, physical or monetary reparations is not gonna. It's not enough to. I guess. Repair the emotional baggage and investment. I think that was basically the core of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So then within that, it was like. He did what he did, but she did what she did too. And it was kind of like they both made that decision, but it was just like, nah, 
it was like it was like a uh like who's wrong? Who's wrong? They both wrong. He wrong. She wrong. In some aspects, yes, but like you said, I don't think money is enough to repair it. It, cause if she was paying for his education, she, she like she was good enough. She was, she was perfectly fine. So it's not the money <coughs> that was the issue. It's the emotional aspect, and it's like you can't just fix that with, with repay with repaying me. You can't. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I wouldn't say anyone is wrong because. I'm always like a middleman. I always see both uh, sides. I know. But I'm, things are black and white. No, sometimes. nothing is black and white. Anything, especially not that movie. Anything, I feel like that movie was written uh, to be gray. <laughs> <laughs> anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So in reality, it's kind of like you on this side, you on that side. Because you remember in the movie, mm-hmm. Shorty, she broke up with him. Ain't want nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. She was like, you're gone. Finished. Mm-hmm. Finito. Right. Then he got the check. Then he got the check and sent her more than what she needed. And then she was like, dang, I'm trying to slide. <laughs> now, of course, it's kind, of, it's kind of grimy that, like, the guy, the girl he ended up with was, like, ironically, the same girl he cheated on her with yeah. way back when. Like, yeah, of course, mm. that, was, that, was, that was writing. That was writing. Yeah. But I do understand the the ideas that, like, he's giving the girl, the shorty who he cheated on, wife he with the dreams he sold her basically mm-hmm. like I, I can understand that sentiment yeah but then the fact that said wifey didn't want him mm-hmm. until the check came mm-hmm. I, I don't know chief <laughs> <laughs> I think hmm. let me th- let me think about this let me tread tread lightly with this one I th- I think it's just a matter of, like I said, it's attractive to see someone really trying and going for, going after what they want and what they want to do. So the fact that, the fact that he really wasn't where she wanted him to be until after they broke up or after they ended their relationship, it's like, Wow, well, where was that effort when we were together? You know, so I understand. Like I said, I see both sides. Like, with him, with him, he's like, yo, like, you didn't want me before. Like, you didn't believe in my dreams, X, Y, and Z. But with her, it's like, where was this effort before? You know? I think I would I would side with Shorty up until the point where she was like, she kind of like, Wanted, not wanted him back in a sense, but like yeah, she like you said, she was trying to slide through afterwards. I think I I was I was agreeing with her up until that point. I was like, okay, you let him go, you can't come back now, you cannot come back now. But the fact that he wanted, or the fact that he ended up with the woman that one he cheated on, and two is living the life that she was supposed to live. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I no, I don't like that at all. <laughs> I feel a type of way about that. How come? What about it specifically that you don't like? First of all, that's disrespectful. Like, if you're going to end up with someone, let it, not the woman you was, you're cheating on me with. That hurts. That really hurts. But it's just, like I said, it's it's just the fact that it's like, 
where was this effort before? Where where was this productivity and and this fruit before? So as a woman, it makes you feel like like was it me? Like were you just not feeling me? Like you know, it's like why? That's that's the general question. Why? Why now with her when that was supposed to be me? Now you have me leaning leaning towards. Leaning towards the woman's side a little bit, but wow. yeah. I mean, it won't like it wasn't like he had to check the whole time, but we go we gonna let that we can let that go because this this argument is never ending. Apparently, it's really not. I told you the movie was not written to be black or white. We can make it. We can make it black or white. <laughs> so, I feel like among like many reasons that relationships don't like pan out or continue growing into the ultimate goal essentially it's like you started out good you know you had the honeymoon phase things were good y'all was learning each other excited to see each other all that jazz and then somewhere along the line it slowed down either one person stopped growing or the relationship as a whole stopped growing whether it was like due to uh, the lack of intentionality or people not investing their time, prioritizing, whatever the case may be, something got stagnated, and now you're not moving. Whether it's one person or both people, the relationship kind of dead end. It kind of it kind of died. You feel me? Mm-hmm. But y'all still y'all still together though. Mm-hmm. Like you still got feelings and all of that. But everything seems like bland mm-hmm. and kind of like. I mean, it, ayo, it's just Eli. You feel me? So it's like within the book. They kind of, according from the book's perspective, they say that it's a, due to a cause of neutrality. So, kind of remember how we mentioned earlier about how when you're in a platonic relationship, you kind you kind of take a step back and you reserve yourself, and it's like, okay, uh, I'm not gonna take away your choice. I'm gonna let you just throw it up. I'm gonna kind of like throw it up in the air, mm-hmm. and if you wanna go grab it, you can grab it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're basically saying that after, like, the honeymoon phase of the relationship, essentially the male, because, like, the males are supposed to be kind of, like, leading the direction. They're supposed to be kind of guiding the ship and being intentional on, like, the growth of the relationship and, of course, like, that intimate, um, kind of facilitating that intimacy. So the male essentially just falls back and applies that platonic mentality to intimate relationship so now instead of like that push pull type of polarity where it's like i'm the male i'm the masculine presence in this and you're the feminine now it's kind of like shit i mean I don't, I don't i don't know who wear the pants in the relationship like when you hear that that's essentially what they're saying that's that they're referring to polarity without saying it's polarity because it's like not here like Polarity in between relationships, like mm-hmm. I'll be thinking, like manifest your dreams. Like it's that <laughs> it's like that same concept of like some voodoo. Like if you just believe it, it'll be type. Mm-hmm. That's like the kind of thing that comes to mind. But like within it, it's kind of like some real dynamics that play a fa- like a factor in our relationships. So like if you think about like masculine traits, that's of course like being decisive, being committed to whatever you say you're gonna do, mm-hmm. focus. And really, I feel as though, like, that 
unfiltered love, I guess you could say. Like, there's a difference between, like, when you're doing something out of obligation, routine, or, like, you just say you were going to do it, so now you're just showing face, versus, like, doing something with like, a certain type of intention and passion. And it's, like, when when you do one and the other, women feel the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, like, whether it's, like, just, like, getting a card for your shorty, it's, like, what's the... Like, what's the intent behind it? So I guess, like, the passion, the the purpose, like, the energy, the energy mm-hmm. behind it. Like It's kind of like that thing when, on Twitter when they're like, oh, you can come over. It's like, okay, but do you want me to come uh, over? <laughs> another, another one. That's like, <laughs> so it really, it just sounds like that. That's an example. That's actually a perfect example because in that video, it's like, bro, she called him up. And was like, yo, I'm in the neighborhood. You want me to slide? He's like, yeah, you can slide if you want to. Like, I'm not going to force you. Like, if you want to come over, yeah, you can come over. But if you do not, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. And as to her, it's like, eh, he don't want me to come over. <laughs> like, he, he didn't say come over. Or it's like, it's smoke. It's like, all right, come over if you want to. So really, it sounds like a conversation of passivity. Is that a word? Yeah. Passivity? Pass- passiveness, maybe? Passivity? We'll look That's that up right. later. Something like that. <laughs> Being passive. That's really what it sounds as. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the topic of discussion. I feel like since there's a role of masculine and feminine energy that's being at work, I guess it's th- what it starts with is people embracing their own mm-hmm. and not being ashamed. So, like, as a woman, like, do you have any routines or practices that like help you own your femininity? Um. Hmm. And maybe you don't, maybe like you don't know it of like that type of word, but I guess mm-hmm. like stuff that makes you feel like I don't say good, but like like a woman. I guess you like, mm-hmm. damn, just got my nails done. Boss, yes. boss, boss, <laughs> in the room. You feel me? Like, yeah. Well, outside of the material things, like getting my nails done, getting my hair done, of course that makes me feel good, you know. But um, is it, is it just those two? Are there other things? Getting my nails done, getting my hair done, getting food. I just, like just food, food in general. Uh, my favorite food, you know. Yeah. Uh, cleaning my room, feeling productive getting work out the way outside of things like that well I'll I'll speak for me for me I would probably I like to call myself an alpha woman you know I I take a I normally take a stance or I stand my ground not in like a prideful way you know but for me what makes me feel good is like sticking to my values you know like if something is outside of my values and I, I decline it, then it makes me feel good, you know? Or when I make a decision that's good for me, that makes me feel good. That makes me, um, I guess, own my femininity in a sense, you know? Like, because it, get, it gets to a certain point where, especially for a woman, it's so important to put yourself first you know and really just be true to yourself what does that look like 
and Jada because I feel like that's something that we hear a lot. It's like a, all right, love yourself, put yourself yes. first, know your worth, but it sounds good in concept, mm-hmm. but how do people incorporate that into their daily practices? Like, what in scenarios, situations that actually arise, mm-hmm. what what does that actually look like? In the relationship with the with the guy or in general? In general. In general. Um, hmm. Let me think what I do from day to day. Like, okay, so my day starts, I wake up, you know, I pray. When I make the decision to pray, I feel good. When I go to work and I get, I actually get work done, you know, I feel good. When, I'm trying to think of something that's specific to a woman. When I buy a new outfit and it looks good on me, I feel good, you know. When I... I have a, a self-care day. I feel real good, like a nice little face mask. <coughs> face mask, some wine, you know, I feel good. I think I think those are everyday. Taking time for myself in general makes me feel good. Yeah, I would, I would say that. In terms of relationships, um, like I said, being being decisive but the book calls being decisive a male trait i think i think being decisive is important for for both men and women so when i'm decisive and i say okay this is what i want i feel good you say you as a you you view yourself as an alpha woman yes what do you think constitutes an alpha woman and women who aren't alpha women Mm -hmm. what are they or where do they fall into the mix me, I say I'm an alpha woman just because I, no. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I like to have control, but I kind of do like, but I also like a man that can match that energy. Like as an alpha woman, I like to have an alpha man because I feel like if an, if he has a good head on his shoulder, I wouldn't mind stepping back a little bit and be like, okay, take the lead, you know, but as an alpha woman, being decisive, knowing, sticking to your values, um, being proactive. Um, and I think for a woman who's not an alpha woman, she tends prob- she tends to be more submissive, go with the flow. Um, there's a word we used earlier. I can't remember. Oh, I'm trying to think of it. Uh, it escaped me. But anyways, yeah. Definitely, definitely a bit more submissive, nonchalant. Um, goes with the flow, likes her man to take charge, make all, make most of the decisions. And I like to have a counterpart that's equal, like we're both, we both got one, one leg in the pants. I like that. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right, so, all right, so we're going to say with the pants, right? Mm -hmm. So say, say your counterpart, oh, rather, would you be okay if your counterpart had both legs in the pants? But hmm, rather switch it. I'm gonna switch it. Okay. Say you have both legs in the pants, but you view your counterpart as I guess you could say productive or like has a good head on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Because what we what you normally hear is that 
with the whole thing about how we had Drake versus Future, like the women are cold hearted and the men are just like uh crew love, all that stuff, like like they just out here just trying to show us love for real and all that good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What you typically hear is that uh the women who are like I guess cold hearted or alpha women, I guess, are like they're testing the man. So that kinda goes back to what we were talking about earlier, trying to see like, all right, they're assessing you Seeing like, are you committed to what you say you committed to? Are you capable of taking charge, essentially? So with, from that, I really just hear at the core of it is like, it's not really a conversation about <clears throat> about whether or not people are capable. It's more so, or about whether or not men are capable. It's more so a conversation about can I relax into my natural state, which is the feminine, which is to kind of I think it is kind of submit. It's just to like, can I can I sit back and chill, and let you take charge? Like, yeah. that's essentially what you just said. Mm-hmm. So if that's like the nature of it, like, what do you think? Like, the question is, I guess you could say is, how do you know, or like, how do you feel as though women assess that capacity for, I guess, confidence in that area from males? Does that make sense? So like, how do you recognize the traits? So like as a woman, uh-huh. how do you? I it's like as a woman, I'm a, I'm a lady right now, okay. and I see I see the Marcus. <laughs> Not the Marcus. I see the Marcus. The Marcus trying to come smacking me. I'm like I. He walked over. He he tried to shake my hand. I, I don't know how I feel about that. It's cool though. It's cool though. He he ain't do no no profanity off rip. He just talking. Mm-hmm. And then it seems like he got his head on his shoulders. Like, what's what are the cues that you're looking for? On the surface level, like, or even then, because a lot of, gosh, mm, I won't say majority, but it's kind of like a fifty-fifty. Like, some get turned away before they even get to like anything deeper than the surface. And then even when you get deeper than the surface, what are you looking at to say like, oh, he might be capable? Because often the times, like the conversation we hear the most is like, I'm at VCU. The male suck, or, <laughs> or or perfect, perfect. You women, VCU women, be like, you could tell, you could tell a VCU, a VCU guy from a union guy in like point two seconds, and that's <laughs> that's just strict off of, and it's not even off of the looks or nothing. I mean, nah, yeah. nah, nah. I mean, like everybody got their own look. You feel me? You feel me? But ultimately, it's kind of what I'm hearing is. Uh, a difference in the attitude or yeah. even the energy. Yeah. So once again, that that masculine energy. So what I'm hearing is, to some women, mm-hmm. women or women in general, VCU men have a passivity. They have a, a yeah. feminine energy. Mm-hmm. Versus like I guess like a union guy has that masculine. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, like, they're the passive VCU men, mm-hmm. if you will. So it's like, how do you, I guess, how do you gauge mm-hmm. as a woman? Well, from the very first interaction, it's it's like the way, the way you approach me, the way you walk, how you talk. Like, are you confident? Because a woman can tell if you're confident or not, like, the first few seconds. Like, are you coming up to me like, oh, hey, you know. I thought I think you're really cute. Like, oh my god, I, I like your scarf. Like, I'm just like, okay, thanks. 
thank you, I guess, you know. But if you approach me like, excuse me, beautiful, you know. I, I'm not a guy, so I don't I don't know how to go smack <laughs> at women, but I think you get what I'm trying to get at. Like, if you, if you approach me confidently, I think I'd be more inclined to give you my number. Like, I've been in situations where I'm at a party or something, and I know a guy is just staring at me, right? He's just staring at me, and I know he's going to come talk to me. And he's staring at me, and we make eye contact, and he just smoothly walks over says excuse me that right there is like okay i like that i like that a lot you know that confidence women can really tell if you're confident or not and i think initially that masculine energy is perfectly okay i think where masculine energy becomes an issue or the yeah where masculinity becomes an issue is when you are supposed to be vulnerable you know, because it gets to a certain point where, okay, your masculinity is one layer, but as we are getting more comfortable with each other, as we, as the relationship is becoming deeper, women want men to be more vulnerable with their emotions. When I ask you what's wrong, you tell me what's wrong, you know? So I think initially we like that, you know, but it comes to a certain time, it comes to a certain point where we want you to be able to be vulnerable. But yeah, initially you can just tell. You can tell when a guy's confident. You can tell when he's not. Like I've I've had guys, I've had guys come up to me and like, you know, they they twiddling with their fingers and they're not making eye contact, and I'm like, bro, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> you know. So, yeah, you just got you have to be confident. But there's a difference between uh, lack of confidence and that vulnerable side up front. So like as a woman, if, if a male approached you and then they was, I guess you could say vulnerable up front and however they slid, I guess, would, would that kind of equate to lack of confidence or is it kind of like, like how is that received? When people, when men are vulnerable, but you and them aren't on that level yet. I wouldn't even consider that being vulnerable. I I would just consider that <coughs> a lack of confidence. Cuz first impressions are everything. So if you if you approach me like you're like you have some sort of insecurity, you know, or you feel like you can't get me, you know. I I'm going to read that. And then I'll just automatically like my brain starts going like, okay. Can he, can he handle me? Can he handle all this? Not even a, as an alpha woman, but just in general. It's like, is this going to be a constant thing? You know? So I don't I don't see that as... I don't Initially, I won't see that as being vulnerable. I would see that as just you're not lacking confidence. Like, are you afraid to come talk to me? Am I intimidating you? You know, what's going on? Did I answer your question? <laughs> yes. So, <clears throat> all right. So, so like, if there's a, so essentially there's a difference or and a room for error, I guess you could call it, mm-hmm. in terms of conf- lack of confidence. 
<coughs> and vulnerability that's expressed mad early. Those two can kind of be came together in the same area. Yeah. For the most part, in most mm-hmm. scenarios. Interesting. But aside from that, um, you also cover how uh, part of being masculine is that men don't want to share their emotions or open up once y'all re- do reach that level. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as a man, there are like multiple reasons why they don't or why we don't. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I saw one the other day, and it's like, men don't open up because as soon as like y'all, as soon as you and so and so fall out, then you're using that as a, a method against them. Yeah, oh, I saw that. You saw that? Yeah. That was like <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so, do you? What role does that play, and why do you think people do? From a feminine side, it's like, like I, right, me, me and John Devondre. We done. And he said something I ain't like, so I'm about to bag him. I'm about to bury him. I mean, you drop whatever said bomb on, mm-hmm. you know, my man. Right. And then now he's just like, damn, he can't really say that because, like, he's. Because it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw that. And I think that only applies to certain women. Like, if a man was comfortable enough with you to open up, I don't think that should ever be weaponized. And I think women I think women use that or use that vulnerability as a weapon when things get sour just because the way for you to feel their pain is to use something that I guess hurt you in the moment. Like it's almost like to women they think that's kind of like an eye for an eye. And I I, I don't like that. Because, like I said, if he was if he was comfortable enough to tell you, like, you don't you don't bring that up, you know, you don't weaponize it. But I think for some women, it just comes from a place of hurt. She's hurting, so she wants you to hurt, and because of that, that masculinity, you bringing that up and you weaponizing it would equally hurt him. That's what I think. Interesting. Any any things we haven't talked about, but you found interesting that you want to share, explore, invite, or even like charge the listeners to explore. Um, I do want to touch on how we talked about in the beginning, women giving mixed signals. I do think us women should be more direct about what we want and what we don't want, because men are wired very differently. So sometimes you just gotta say what you want. You know, no games. So yes, I encourage all women to be more direct. Um, my piece. My piece for the males and the men is, bro, real lie, bro. Like it don't gotta be reading, but like find something and rely just explore it and dedicate yourself to it. Because this book alone, um, even though it's something that I didn't necessarily agree with, it did have some interesting topics that kind of, that, that made me want to explore it and see if, like, maybe there is, like, a truth in here that is going overlooked in my life and my day-to-day reactions. And, like, it kind of adds a layer of self-awareness to what you're doing and how you're being perceived. Because I know me, like... 
what they say? They say I be chilling or I be cooling. Like I say mm. I be cooling, but in real life I really I be cooling. Like no games, no nothing. But then in that becomes like my obliviousness. Is that a word? I be oblivious. <laughs> so it's like sometimes I be missing the cues, and that's just kind of like I don't be looking for them. Or sometimes they be in my face, and I wear glasses, so I don't. I still don't be seeing them. So it's just kind of like it's it's adding an extra level. So it's like if you know this is how you are on the inside, and then the, the world is like perceiving you a different way. This is, could be like a method for you to bridge the gap and get those two things to align. Hmm. But yeah. Mr. Rhea, and we go on break. Oh. 